The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Today's podcast is brought to you by mybookie.ag. If you're looking for a place to bet football this weekend or even Tomorrow at 3.40 in the afternoon when the Ravens are scheduled to take on the Steelers, go to mybookie.ag and use my promo code KevinDC. They will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. Simply put, if you deposit $800, they're going to give you $400 additional dollars to play with. MyBookie.ag is fair, fair lines, fair pricing, and you'll get paid if you win. Trust me, if you've never bet before, you got to find a reputable shop, and MyBookie is one of them, to ensure you get paid. They've got a sports book, they've got a live betting casino, um, and a horse book as well. Uh, in-game bets, always every prop bet you can think of, MyBookie.ag. Uh, and use my promo code Kevin DC, and they'll match your deposit halfway up to a thousand dollars. You don't want it, you don't need it, but you're gonna get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Cooley's with me today. He's got an offensive film breakdown from the Thanksgiving Day game, uh, where the Washington football team destroyed Dallas. We got his uh, recap. Um, as part of the Friday show. Um, but before we get to that today, um, I actually had somebody on from Philadelphia this morning, the guy that writes and covers the Eagles for uh, The Athletic, uh, Zach Berman, just because there was this story, Cooley, yesterday about Doug Peterson being in trouble. Like Doug Peterson saying he hasn't even uh, you know received assurances that he will be here through the rest of the year. And I thought that was... Just shocking. And, of course, their performance the other night against Seattle, you know, take away the incredible backdoor cover that Philadelphia got on the Hail Mary at the end and then the two-point conversion was really abysmal offensively. Carson Wentz is a mess offensively. And it would look, you know, to me anyway, I think Philadelphia is out of it, even though they're only a half game, you know, behind Washington and New York with the Packers coming up and the Saints coming up and the Cardinals coming up before they finish with Dallas and Washington. I just don't see it with them, even though Peterson, you know, in the past has gotten it done at the end of the year. But isn't that shocking to you? Twofold, one, Peterson, and then two, you know, how Carson Wentz has regressed so incredibly? Yeah, it really, it is shocking to me. I think that you look at them, and and you really think that 
they're a team that should be there. It's it's been three years since that Super Bowl run, and they have been really average, if not bad, for the most part over the last couple of years. And you can attribute a ton of it to injuries, and I'm sure they can do that as well this year. Um, the Wentz thing is, I think, fascinating. I it, there's as I watched that game the other night, I thought. If you could get that dude and there was value in Carson Wentz that it wasn't a first-round pick, my God, I think he's still a good quarterback. I, I, if something's missing there, and I mean, we can get into that this season, but something's missing with coaching. And maybe it's the loss of Frank Reich. Maybe it's the loss of Filippo or Flip, as everyone calls him, so I'm sure it's Filippo, because uh, those are two excellent coaches. And right. so now you're talking about a quarterback and his third different quarterbacks coach or offensive coordinator and granted I think Peterson calls all the plays but still like to have that transition from two guys that he probably loved and trusted to go to a third dude is not an easy thing um I don't know man I mean I thought as I watched it Carson Wentz would be a phenomenal pickup for anybody that needed a quarterback <laughs> I had a, a feeling you were going to say and, that and I just I do. I think there's something to him. I, I know that he turns the ball over a ton right now and that there's been some risk plays, but there's also so many high-reward plays from Wentz, and I do think he's a smart quarterback. Uh, the Peterson thing, really, it really is fascinating. And I, I think we talked about this the other day. It's, it's like this immediate spark of creativity comes from Andy Reid's system. And then all of a sudden... It's not there. Like the Eagles were so creative three years ago, and Nagy and the Bears were so creative two years ago. And both of those coaches, after they went through their first offensive coordinator and their first initial staff, it's like, bleh. I'm not impressed by either of those offenses with like any form of continued innovation. So maybe that's a lot of Andy Reid. And maybe you're worried about how how good Andy is, and maybe the other guys are. I don't know, man. No, uh, it's it's a strange situation because, as I was talking to this guy from Philadelphia, and he he was saying several things that made sense. Number one, they have been a very injured team this year offensively, um, especially you know up front. You know Brandon Brooks and and um, uh, uh, the other offensive linemen that they've lost uh, during the course of the year. Um, they were without Jason. You know, Jason Peters had to get moved. They've they, The offensive line's been a disaster. They haven't had Zach Ertz. Their skill position players have been primarily more out than in. Well, non-existent. Yeah, and, and you know, but then he pointed to something that really is interesting because – you know, he said, look, they haven't drafted particularly well in recent years. They took, J- you know, J.J. Orsega-Whiteside um, in the third round, I guess, two years ago or second round when there were guys like McLaurin out there. Um, it's easy to say that. Now, um, they took Jalen Rager this, this year. The pick before the Vikings took Justin Jefferson, who could be the, sure. you know, NFC Rookie of the Year. They took a quarterback in the second round in Jalen Hurts this year. Um, so he thinks there's a lot of blame to go around. But, you know, the, if you put that side by side with the following, Doug Peterson, first of all, they won the Super Bowl in 2017. They then went to the playoffs in 2018. And let's not forget in that particular season, 
they you know they they got hot at the end of the year, won three games in a row to get there, and they had Foles again. The Bears missed a field goal in the playoffs, and then you know for them to advance in the first round, and then they had they had New Orleans dead to right in that divisional round game to get back to the NFC Championship game. They were very close to getting back to the NFC Championship game, and then last year, you know, uh, Peterson in his third consecutive year, they win their final four games of the regular season. They advanced to the postseason. By the way, Wentz had a good season last year. He had a very good season last year. It, was, it wasn't like it was just that year where he was on his way to the MVP when Foles replaced him and they won the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz last year um, ended up uh, throwing 27 touchdowns and seven picks for the season. Like he had a really good season last year, completed 64% of his passes, threw for over 4,000 yards. They win their final four games last year. And then he got hurt in the playoff game against Seattle. I thought, and I remember saying this, I you know, in watching that game, it's funny that game, that playoff game uh, last year against Seattle was very similar to the playoff uh, to the Monday night game they played the other night. Mm-hmm. That if he didn't get hurt, I think Philadelphia would have won that playoff game, and they would have been into the divisional round, the final four of the NFC once again. And here we are, you know, less than a year later, and they're talking about Peterson being gone and Wentz you know, being finished somehow. Uh, it's it's so funny about the NFL. You, we just, we like you just brought up Matt Nagy. They're, the year they went to the postseason and they beat the Eagles, uh, or they lost to the Eagles, excuse me, in the first round of the postseason when their kicker missed a short field goal at the end of the game, uh, they were talking about Nagy, how innovative he was and how he had used Trubisky and how the Bears were going to be a good team for, for years to come. Mm-hmm. It's It's just such... It's just proven every year that the league changes so dramatically year to year, if not week to week. I mean, the, the, the Nagy thing, and to some extent the Peterson thing, really, the way I've, why I'm saying this to you is I think there's, there's some lack of innovation, is I love to go around the league and just watch film, and sometimes you start in the first quarter. It's usually where I like to start, this kind of first quarter stuff, week in, week out, and 2017, 2018, man, I drew up a ton of Bears plays, Eagles plays. I'm like, these dudes got some good stuff. They yeah, quarterbacks, right. easy throws. They got, and the last couple of years, I'm like, eh, recycle, copycat. I, I mean, it, it really has seemed like a recycle environment in those in, in, in those two teams. And and I don't, and, and the Chiefs aren't. You can watch the Chiefs, and you're like, oh boy, look at this stuff. So I don't know. I mean, do you blame? I don't know if I blame Peterson to some extent. I mean, you said what that guy's been talking about, but no Lane Johnson, no Jason Peters who's been hurt. But, I mean, you have to start moving on from a guy like that. Yeah. The other dude, Brandon Brooks, is a really good guard. He's hurt. They signed Deshaun Watson. You knew he was going to get hurt. He's always hurt. Alshon Jeffrey's an injury problem guy. I mean, he's he's been a problem. They've had a huge contract with Wentz, but you had to pay him a contract, so you got to work around him. You draft a guy like Rager who's hurt for a big part of this year. I mean, is it full? Is it is it Howie Roseman or is it Doug Peterson? Yeah, I. I um... The funny thing about all of this is the staple of the Eagles through every part of it has been their defense. I think it's I think it's a really good defense right now. And Zach Berman, who I covers the team, said they've excellent. had. He said they've had Go some ahead. moments where they've been part of the issue. But, you know, I was watching the other night, man, and I, I'm like, God, they've got good players on defense. I mean, like Derek Barnett's turning into a big-time 
you know, player. He was a first round pick. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget. Um, and I, I see Tennessee, right? Wasn't he a Tennessee guy? Uh, Derek Barnett was mm-hmm. Tennessee. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. Jim Schwartz yeah, is a good defensive coordinator. You know, he's always. Right. Gotten it done, but you know the other thing about Carson Wentz, and I think I said this yesterday. I had Galdi on on the podcast yesterday, and um, he really does have the yips. You know, he is very skittish. He feels like he's going to get sacked. It seems like on every drop back. Um, sometimes when there isn't even pressure there, he is acting as if there's pressure there. And then as a thrower, he's been wildly inaccurate. Mm-hmm. That... I, I, like, I just don't know if it's him. If he has been, you could see disappointment on his face throughout. Like you I know. Can see it's, just, it's just killing him right now. Like I actually do think he's a competitor. I, actually I do, do too. He cares, and I, I know he knows he's got it. That's the crazy thing. Like, he knows he's got it. It's not, I don't know. Can you imagine They're if they were a really w- interesting team? But to your point, they, 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 they backdoored into the playoffs the last year. They could still backdoor into this division. They just got to find a way to win a couple games. They could. Um, his contract, you know, basically, their out is after next year, not this year with him. But it's funny that you said what you said because I kind of feel the same way, and I think I said this yesterday, um, that if for whatever reason they decided to move on from him, let's just say Philadelphia ended up you know, going 3-12-1. Like they lost mm-hmm. out, which is a possibility. They could. And they ended up having a top five pick. And they had a chance at you know Zach Wilson or Justin Fields after Trevor Lawrence went. And they decided to go quarterback. You know, after, by the way, taking Jalen Hurts in the second round. Um, and they 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 tried to move. It would be hard to move Carson Wentz in that contract right now. Next year, you know, he is um a, a cap hit of thirty-four million dollars next year. But that, you know, a lot of that obviously would be a, a Philadelphia cap hit. You know, you, the, the team that you, you traded him to, you'd be picking up that base salary of $15 million. Um, and you might have to eat some of the cap for the Eagles uh, in a move. But I'm with you. Like, if he became available and I did not have an answer at quarterback, I would certainly I wouldn't second-guess it. I wouldn't even second-guess it. And I wouldn't care if I The injury thing, though, cap. would bother me. He's, all, he's gotten injured a lot. The injury thing is going to bother you and the potential to have to negotiate a new contract very soon is the other thing that's going to bother you. But if you really believe that he's the guy and he has a healthy season, it wouldn't hurt you to eat the cap next year. Well, he's under contract through 2024. But the, the out opportunity where, you know, the dead, the dead cap money and the remaining oh, base talking, salary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the Eagles out opportunity. Exactly. Yeah, um, I just I, I think he's a good player. I do. I, I think I, he's a good player. I know he's struggling right now. I know the Eagles are struggling. They they have massive glaring issues uh, across that offense, where they're a JV offense to some extent. Uh, and I'm not saying that Carson Wentz is playing great, and I'm not saying that Peterson's making great calls for them. But well, the other thing that's crazy about Peterson is like this whole risk fourth down thing. Oh, like, I'm all about it, but like when you you need two scores at the end of the game, in one of them could be a field goal. Don't go for it on fourth down. Get the field goal. 
it was we, uh, we went through this yesterday. The, the the net of it is they had two fourth downs in the fourth quarter with an offense that was struggling, and right. you know it was seventeen to nine the first time. A defense that was playing well against Seattle and actually you know at times made Seattle look like a, a two man team, which was actually I thought Chris Carson ran well and I thought um, you know uh, and D, but DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson are really, you know, spectacular players. I mean, God, is Metcalf good. No doubt. Uh, boy, did you whiff on Metcalf. Um, anyway. Uh, the... No, you know what was funny? Somebody uh, somebody actually <laughs> tweeted me today because, uh, I, I don't know, someone on ESPN or something talked about Metcalf, and they said his route tree still really limited. Metcalf's right. is? Like, yeah, I think he can do about it, whatever anyone wants him to do right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, oh, hey. Uh, if his only route's a go ball and he catches it about two out of three times, yeah. he's going to be on my team. Yeah, no, you are, you were right. But that was what I I wished on in college too. Is you just didn't see him do anything. No, and think besides, about besides run vertical and and obviously he ran with the ball really well, but you just didn't see it. And that I wished. You know, th- and <laughs> too bad. I mean, he and AJ Brown on the same team. Um, that's really I know. They, they, uh, and A.J. Brown, and I'm, I think part of why I didn't like Metcalf was because when you watched Ole Miss, A.J. Brown was a freaking machine. Yeah, he like was. Like, that dude at Ole Miss ran every route. He was all over. Like He was balls to the wall every play. And then you're like, and then there's this other fast dude. Yeah, and he is really fast. Like, you watched A.J. Brown on the same film, and you're like, yeah, this isn't even a decision here. Yeah, I'm, um, go- I'm, go- I'm going back to that year to see what they did against Bama. Um, with the two of them, uh, they he, got th- he, he DK had a, a like an eighty yard reception on the first series of the game, first player two of the oh, game. He went good, he went, go Ex- ball and then. excellent memory. Seventy five yard touchdown pass, um, and that was the, that was the only touchdown of the day for Ole Miss. They lost sixty two to seven. AJ <laughs> Brown had four catches, and DK Metcalf in the game had two. Um, and uh, God. their quarterback wasn't very good. No, not that year. You're right. Uh, he was yeah. not very good at he, all. That was hard to watch. That was the other thing that was hard to watch that film because that quarterback was horrendous. Yeah. Um, Anyways. One last thing um, on Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't know on the Eagles, man. One, well, here's my last thing on Philadelphia, if I didn't say it yesterday. I think they're done. Like, I don't – I mean, anything – you know, nothing will surprise, obviously, in the NFL, especially in this division this year. But there is no chance, in my opinion, that they can beat – Green Bay or New Orleans. Now I, I don't know if, if if Taysom Hill is the quarterback. You know the the Saints here. The Saints here for a couple of games have gotten a bit lucky, right? They 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 played the Falcons with Taysom Hill as the starter, and they played the Broncos, who are a very good defensive team. And actually, New Orleans was struggling to move the football. It was all the it was the lack of Denver offense with the you know with no quarterbacks and the turnovers. That was a bad deal. I mean, Taysom Hill was nine of sixteen for like seventy yards or something like that in that game. Um, the other dude was one of nine. Yeah, the other dude was one of nine. He had more interceptions than um, than completions. Uh, but I guess you know if Drew Brees isn't back for that game, I guess the Eagles could beat the Saints. They can't. There's no chance they beat the Packers this week. I don't think. So the point is, is that. I mean, like the guy this morning was saying, look, if they can steal one of the next three, you know, it's the way we talk as NFC East teams this year, right? And looking at the brutal schedule of playing, by the way, the NFC 
um, of playing the NFC West and the AFC North. I mean, that's what we've had this year as the NFC. We, we've had the two d- toughest divisions in football as part of um, each team's schedule, which, by the way, is part and parcel to the terrible records. I mean, terrible teams or bad teams, yes, but part of the reason that the records in the NFC East are so bad, and I don't know that this has really been pointed out, but it's true, that the NFC East got in their rotation, in their schedule rotation, the NFC West and the AFC North, the two best divisions in football. In fact, really the two best divisions in football, and it's not even close. Um, so Philadelphia, um, you know, like back to the they got a steal one. They got a steal Green Bay, New Orleans, or Arizona to get to four, listen, four, nine, and one heading into their final two games. And then they would have to beat Dallas and Washington because I do think six, nine, and one would probably do it. But I don't think they'll get to six. That's three more wins for them. They're not good enough to win three more games. Could be my famous last NFC East words for the year. <laughs> yeah, and they should then they should release Alex Smith right this second. <laughs> yeah, man, the public is all over Green Bay minus nine, all over them. <laughs> are they? Have you already looked at that? I haven't looked at that actually. I'm looking at covers.com right now. Oh, covers. Um, I mean, Green Bay's a nine-point favorite. Nine-point favorite over Philly. Actually, I don't even, I mean, you know, Philly got the backdoor cover against Seattle um, on Monday night. Um, One more thing real quickly before we get to Cooley's uh, film breakdown, and that is that um, today at 3.40 this afternoon, Wednesday at 3.40, I kept saying Tuesday earlier this morning on the radio show. um, You You had a headache. I was compromised this morning, but I, I didn't say anything about it on the air. Uh, but I, um, I, I, it's the return of RG three and Cooley. I did. <laughs> it was actually funny today. For those that didn't listen to the radio show this morning, basically I did a show that featured the two most polarizing quarterbacks of the last decade for the Washington Football Team. Uh, started with a lot of talk about RG3 and then ended with a lot of talk about Kirk Cousins because I did it with Galdi here, but I had somebody from Minnesota on the show who said that basically Kirk with the fan base there is is as polarizing maybe. He said maybe not as much in Washington, but this guy was of the mindset. It's like, look, it, you can't get caught up in all these narratives. you got to look at the actual you know games and what happens. Anyway, I'm not going to spend any time on that. I promise. That's it on Kirk. But Today is an opportunity for Robert Griffin III to play a game that matters for the first time since 2016. Okay, he is not play- he started as the uh, Brown starter to start the 2016 season. Got hurt in that opener against Philadelphia, actually, and really hasn't played as a starter in a game that's mattered since. And really, if you want to talk about a game with like big time stakes, it's been since 2012. And today he's going to start a game at Heinz Field on a Wednesday afternoon at 3.40, all right, where 
they're going to be relying on him to play well. They need this game. They're 10-point underdog. They're in a playoff fight right now. Now, Baltimore's schedule, you know, we've looked at schedules here, you know, in the NFC East. I don't know that anybody's got an easier schedule than the Ravens have the rest of the way. After the game with the Steelers, they get the Cowboys, then they get the Browns on a Monday night. They finish with Jacksonville, the Giants, and the Bengals. So they're probably going to figure out a way to get to the postseason. But how do you think Robert Griffin III will play today? I will tell you, you know, he has already tweeted like like five times today. All right? Already, already God is good all the time. Um, please help out my foundation, make life better for, mil- for military vets, underprivileged youth, victims of domestic abuse. And, you know, uh, it's the RG3 Foundation uh, tweet, which is great. Um, and yesterday, faith makes things possible, not easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Um, so it's his, you know, he's into every day putting out some sort of inspirational tweet. That aside, this is the first real game. He started the finale last year when they were already, when they sat all their starters against the Steelers because they were 14 and one, um, or four, four, uh, 13 and two. How do you think he'll play today? Not well. Why? <laughs> I don't think he's a good quarterback. And that, that's why, simply, he's playing the best defense in football. Yeah. It's a bad matchup for Baltimore, as it is anyway, because the Steelers' run defense is outstanding. They're not going to put him in a lot of really advantageous situations, or I would bet, because of second and nine, second and eight, third and six plus. I don't think he sees the field incredibly well. I think Pittsburgh had a ton of time to prepare this game plan. I mean, obviously they understand. Or you didn't understand exactly who you were going to get at quarterback, but it's a rested Pittsburgh defense. I, don't, I think it's it's like a 12 of 29, 12 of 28 for 150 yards, two picks. I mean, he, they're compromised that's too, obviously, with that's a, all that's the COVID-19. prediction is it's as it stands, but I, I don't – honestly, I, I will tell you this. I know everyone thinks that I dislike Robert. It's so He's so intriguing. I don't dislike Robert. I just don't believe in him as a, as a really good starting quarterback. I would love to see him light it up. It would be a great story. I would. I would if he lights it up, it will be so much fun to watch that game tonight. Um. You know, the, the the last time... I they, have no agenda, is what I'm saying. I know, I know you don't. The, the last time the they played the Steelers, that game was all about turnovers. Baltimore had 265 yards rushing in the game against the Steelers. Dobbins had 113. He's not going to play today. Gus Edwards is. No Mark Ingram today, but there was no Mark Ingram in the last game either. Jackson had 65 yards on the ground, but Jackson had two picks and two fumbles, and that was the game. They lost 28-24. Um, so... The uh, they did run the football. Um, it'll it'll be interesting to see Griffin take over Jackson's role as a dual threat quarterback, um, and see if he can hold up and see if he can perform from a rush standpoint at the same level. You know, uh, to be honest with you, Cooley, I was, I, I just had this thought: Griffin may throw the football better than Jackson in terms of a pure thrower of the football. I mean, maybe there are some similarities there. I never thought Griffin was a poor passer, 
when you know when you would you know suck the linebackers in off of a read option you know pull and drop back you know that the the, the route that they the drift route that they ran 89% of the time uh, i always thought he was accurate on a lot of those throws he was he let it go he let it I go. Went back, I, I, I went back. We did this. I think I did this with you. I did a film breakdown of part of the 2012 season of Robert. And he he, he didn't see too much, man. He, he would let the ball go. Um, no, there's some interesting storylines to this. I mean, in, in general, the Ravens, like, who are they playing? Pull up the Ravens on our line. They don't, I don't know if they have a tight end active this week. Well, I mean, they have. They've got sixteen now. I think it's now sixteen players. It was twenty. I think it's sixteen now. Um, as of this morning, the latest was that Dobbins and Ingram are not going to play. There was discussion overnight that they would play, um, that they were going to be pulled off the COVID nineteen list. So they've got Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, who's played a little bit. Um, is, is Andrews playing? I'm sorry. Is Mark Andrews playing? I forget. Is Andrews healthy anyway? He may have been. Hold on. Well, it was the other dude who I think is really good that broke his leg. Let me just see if they've got on our lads. No, Mark Andrews test positive November 29th as the Ravens COVID list goes. Yeah, he's he's on he's on the COVID 19 list. They don't have it. Now you're talking about a team that can really run the ball. I've really credited that that organization because of the way they've built it to run the ball. They had. Two years ago, they had three great tight ends. Or a year ago, they had three great tight ends. Hayden Hurst went in free agency. The other dude, who I love and can never think of his name, broke his leg in that gruesome leg injury. And now Andrews is not playing. They don't have a tight end active tonight. You know what I'm looking Maybe at? I'm, I'm looking at our. Are you looking at our lads right now? I'm not. I'm looking at an inactive list right now. Oh, because the the our lads updated. You know today. Or or last night, I'm sorry, does not have like a twelve players. They don't have a tight end listed. They no. do. Yeah, it's Des Bryant may start today for them. It's a long shot. They're they ten, might play. Him, they might line him up and play him at tight end. He's big enough. They're, they're, they're ten and a half point underdogs. But, well, you know what? What it does, it creates even more the opportunity. If Griffin can somehow play great. And lose by a field goal at the gun, thirty-one twenty-eight. But he was outstanding. Or pull off the upset. It may be the day that he creates a third part to his professional football career. One last opportunity somewhere next year as a starter. This this would be amazing. You realize that Baltimore right now has D linemen practicing on the offensive line. It's 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 because a they're mess. not. They're probably not going to have fifty-three guys active. They have. I bet you they have a linebacker that's going to play tight end this week. Like Chris Board's probably going to play tight end for them. Um, P- <laughs> Pittsburgh's Gian- missing Gian- some players Gakwe. too. Gakwe is actually lining up, lining up at tight end this week. They really, sh- I mean, it'll be interesting. I don't know if they should play this game. James Conner, um, Stefan Tuitt, and somebody else—they're—they're uh, they're without on the COVID nineteen list. I'm wondering if Anthony McFarlane, um, who you know was that back out of Maryland, if he's going to get more of an opportunity. They usually they like to play Snell. Actually, I think Snell would be a great full time back somewhere else. Um, defensively, though, they're healthy. It would appear, and that's a problem for Baltimore. Um, Anyway, all right, uh, let's get to Cooley's uh, belated film breakdown of the Thanksgiving Day game right after this word from one of our sponsors. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. We're going in-depth, play-by-play. The Cooley, Cooley Film Breakdown. Breakdown. Here's Cooley and Kevin. Cooley's Film Breakdown uh, today will uh, focus on the offense from... The 41-16 win over the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. We'll do some defense tomorrow, and then we'll get prepared for the NFL weekend on Friday and then preview Washington-Pittsburgh on Monday, more likely than not. That's the schedule as of now, always subject to change. I was going back through the film breakdown um, uh, list that I have from every game because I'm keeping a list of every single grade for every single player. And we had missed a game earlier this year, if you recall, because on defense, um, on defense because it was the day that um, that Haskins got benched, and so we decided uh, to focus on that as the primary part of the show and pass on the defensive film breakdown. Um, last week we missed Cincinnati, but you know what? It was probably the game to miss. There wasn't a whole hell of a lot to it, um, but the win over Dallas was one of the. More enjoyable wins, you know, over the last few years if you're a Washington fan like I am and like you are. And so let's go. Let's do the offense and start with the quarterback, Alex Smith. Well, let's start with the offense real quick. I, first of all, I thought that they did a really good job mixing up some of the pre-snap stuff, some of the motions that they use, uh, some of the shifts. Like, at one point, they shifted a bunch, three or four guys from tight into empty. They end up getting a matchup with Terry McLaurin on an inside linebacker. They were trying to run Burtz, but they still get Terry with a matchup on Van Der Esch. Like, that's smart stuff right there. I thought Turner did a pretty good job with that. Um, the touchdown run in the 
fourth quarter. It's not the last touchdown run. It's the one before that. Uh-huh. I just wanted to walk through this play. Okay. Because I haven't necessarily seen this exact look, and I, and I love it. it I, I, I literally I wrote down, like, this is my favorite play design of the year from, from Washington. So it's, it's a first and 10 at the 23-yard line. It ends up being the, a gun run. And I mean, anybody that's watching, you understand that they're predominant gun team. So they're really running like a weak side zone play. So you're running a, a tight zone at the open tackle to the left. But they hop the back, Gibson, behind the quarterback in gun, but slightly to its right. It's almost like a modified pistol. And it's funny, as I'm sitting here watching this, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, people really don't move their back enough in gun situations. Like, the back's always setting by the quarterback. And you could put the back anywhere in the hell you wanted him back there in the backfield. It's Really, it's interesting. I'll bet more teams start doing this more. The reason you like moving your back and adjusting your back where you don't know exactly where he's going to be is because it creates a conflict with the numbers count for a defense. Is it a three-man side on the right? Is it a four-man side on the left? What exactly is the number count when the back is in that gray area? And so they hop the back, and he kind of just gets right behind Alex on the right. It's cool. So then he starts this downhill track to the right side. The run's really a, a zone run to the left. He starts this downhill track to the right side, and it holds the inside backer enough that the double team between Ruye and Schweitzer is, is able to get right up to Jalen Smith on that double team. On the open tackle side, it's Morgan Moses. They actually pass at him, and he entices the passer upfield. So instead of blocking zone oh, to that yeah. side, it, right. it's like a delay. It's, and it's, more, it's not draw, but it's, it's more delayed because the back's coming from that gun set. So he doesn't have to aggressively attack. The back has time to push that downhill and then make a cut inside of him you're just having that left tackle basically keep a strong inside hand that really that's the hardest block on front side zone is to really push that defensive end so you can stretch him and make a cut so instead of really trying to push the defensive end you just entice him upfield they go three receivers to the other side but when they go three receivers to the other side and they hop the back now Dallas rotates their strong safety. They rotate coverage to the three-receiver side, which is the side away from where you want to run the ball. The free safety then rotates to the middle. So you get this really great number count on defense by doing the, by bringing the back, which makes it essentially as he gets to, just to the right of Alex, it's a four-man side with the back, a one-man side away from it. And so they get rotation away from it. They get an upfield rush by the end who's really just taking himself out of the play. You don't even have to do very much. And a downhill track by the back that makes Jalen Smith come up and fill. So it's an easy, natural – it's not really a cutback. It's a, it's a front-side zone play. It was great, man. It was awesome. You know, it's it's an awesome play. And even if the DN doesn't get sucked in by Moses you know, in pass block mode – well, then, you know, if he's got the vision, he can bounce it to the outside, and it's a big play because nobody's there. They, they, exactly. And they know, they, I mean, I'm sure they've seen this four-by-one look, and they know that they're going to get rotation. And so they know nobody's going to be there because they know that free safety is going to rotate to the middle of the field away from the back. You shouldn't have anybody down to that side. It's a really, I just, I, I liked it. You know, I, I like the little play that they got into. 
Um, and obviously we'll, we'll talk about that play. Uh, the, the reverse pass with Logan Thomas, and Wildcat looks, they had shifts, they had some good motion. I thought that it was really the most unpredictable type of game. No, I mean, the only thing that I would say now moving forward, especially, I, I don't know, I enjoyed watching this on film yesterday and today. I would say that when they go under center or pistol, it's all gap scheme stuff. So they will have to mix that up this week and go with some more zone run stuff. Because if I'm playing you, if I'm playing Scott Turner right now, I'm saying, hey, D, he goes into pistol or he goes in uh, under center, it's, it, we're, we're going to play gap scheme run stuff. And essentially, until they break that tendency next week, you would, you would guess that. They don't have as much good run action stuff as well because they're not going with that stretch zone out of it. I want to, um, and then my last complaint before you make any, uh, go ahead. No, go, go. I thought you were going to start with Alex Smith. Go ahead. You're other, whatever you got. No, I'm about to, but my last complaint is they are the worst running back screen team in football. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they can get a running back screen right now unless it's one of those guys split out and it's the, the, the alley screen type of deal. Like you can't just go with your first screen call with a run action fake on first and twenty when you're packed up. It's like everybody, unless you're Washington, who got beat with that, and you're playing Del Rio, who's going to blitz you on first and twenty. You can't just call screen on first and twenty. That's a bad place to call screen. <laughs> like this is not a good running back screen team. I mean, they they do they. If you were to say your best weapons, two of your four best weapons for sure are McKissick and Gibson. Get, design some screens, man. Not a good screen dude. Not a good screen guy. So I, wa- I wanted to mention before the play that you broke down, the Gibson touchdown run, you know, that play came right after the failed fake punt. And what's interesting is I went back after reading somewhere that Dallas uh, McCarthy said after the game about the fake punt, we didn't execute. We didn't execute. Um, the reason they didn't execute is because the play was intended to be a pass down the field for, by Cedric Wilson, the guy that took the reverse on the fake punt. And maybe he didn't know it, um, but they are blocking um, as if it's a pass play. And there is a receiver wide open at wide mid, open. At, four, wide at the 45-yard line. And I don't know why um, – look, I, I could be wrong about this, but the fact that the entire blocking front doesn't go downfield um, would, would would indicate to me that this was a, a pass call off the fake yeah, punt. They practiced it. <laughs> they practiced it, but this dude did I mean, not – act- just shit the bed. I mean, he didn't execute – I mean, what, we never no. saw – we never even saw one of those, like – Fake, like you know, him getting ready to, to throw the football, and he's got somebody wide open down the field. Who, w- w- I mean, it's going to be a, an easy first down if he makes a decent throw, and that's a long throw. Um, but, but you know, I, I don't know what Cedric Wilson's um, background uh, is. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, he never threw it. <laughs> he never threw the football. And if he had thrown the football, it probably would have been every bit of a 25 to 35-yard play, and the only ba- person back to stop it would have been the returner, would have been Sims Jr. I'm not sure why he didn't throw the football. Anyway. I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. I mean, he never even – maybe it's just because it took so long. 
I don't know, man. He, like he never even thinks about it. But that's but am I am I correct that this is what the play was intended to do? The guy, the, the receiver's I'm looking for the ball. He's easy. The, I mean, I'm 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 gonna have to pull it up on. So the receiver, as he, the both the receivers as they go downfield aren't really looking for the ball immediately. No, they are. The one receiver is immediately. He's got his left arm up in the air. He's looking for it. He's yeah, looking. I'm watching the wrong cut here. Yeah. Um, he was looking for the no, ball. No, I'm watching the right play. I mean, I just don't. Yeah, no. I'm, I mean, you can see him wide open. He's but. wide open, and he turns around looking for the ball. And and look at the entire offensive front. They're 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 pass blocking. Anyway. Oh, I, I know. Um, that was that was interesting. All right. Uh, let's get started with Alex Smith. Uh, second play of the game, run action pass, Burt's play. Uh, Sims is wide open in the middle of the field versus cover two. He throws the check down for a negative yard. I think he looks at him. I don't know why he turns it down. He is splitting the safeties. It is a huge play opportunity. Just took the check down for negative two. Um... I actually went to the sacks next, so I'll just go through them. Uh, the first is a third down sack. It's not really his fault. He, he's got edge pressure off his right. He steps up. Twice he gets beat inside. Really, that's a tough one. The second sack out of the three, he probably could have thrown the flat really quick to Gibson, but I don't. I mean, it's it's pretty tight right there. The third sack is somehow unblocked with the protection that they have. I think it's 72. I decided I didn't know his name, and I would just call him 72 because I, I don't really Sharp. Care. So it's 72. Just, he doesn't make an adjustment, or Alex has got to slide his line. It was actually that third sack was on a third and one down there in the red zone. Right. It was a six-man front of six defenses. And it, and it wasn't line. offsides, right. right? No. He was just a great, great get-off. Yeah. I didn't think it was offsides. Uh, and there's literally nothing Alex could do with the third sack. So that was not a huge problem when I looked at it. Uh, the second drive of the game, I thought he had, I thought he missed um, Isaiah Wright twice in a row. Like he threw into double coverage to Terry McLaurin. And Wright is, he just guesses. Terry's breaking deep on an out route, and Wright bends to the middle of the field, and everyone goes with Terry. That's the and pass after the Logan Thomas run. pass. And I, I mentioned. The pass right after the Logan Thomas yeah, pass. Yeah, I, I mentioned exactly to you, I thought he was throwing into, into double coverage. Well, he really is. I mean, they, they were playing a version of two on the, of cover two, so they had one safety covering half the field on that side. And almost everyone goes with Terry. Yeah. And safety goes with Terry and right down the middle. On the other side, they had they were playing a version of quarters. You call it quarter, quarter, half. There's no way that other quarter safety on the other side can get to right. That's a walk-in touchdown. Later, the, like one or two plays later on that drive, he throws to Cam Sims, uh, and it's a pass interference call that was not pass interference on Cam Sims. Well, it was called against Dallas, but right. No, I know. Play. I know the play. Yeah, Terry McLaurin's running across the field, trying to kind of clear that thing out, and then on the far sideline, Isaiah Wright's running a wheel route. The safety stays over the top, right over the top of Sims. McLaurin right away is wide open on the crossing route. Would have been an easy throw to McLaurin. Right. As Alex 
turn as Alex reads that out, he probably reads it wrong, but then he's progressing to Sims or Wright, and he's looking at those two. Wright is running a wheel route. His dude falls down. He's walking into the end zone, like yeah. walking into the end zone, and, the, and like Alex is looking at it, and he just lets it go to Sims. You're like, um, not exactly sure why you're doing that, but okay. <laughs> like, sounds good. Yeah, I'm seeing this. You're right. I mean, it, it, like, my God, did he he miss the wheel route to throw it right into double coverage? I mean, that was a near disaster. Yeah. As was the one to McLaurin, you know, after the Logan Thomas play. You know, there's there's no doubt about it. Um, he had a fumbled snap down there. I don't know if that's – it looked like Rudy kind of double-clutched it. Uh, maybe cadence thing or not. I wouldn't put that on Alex unless he took, did something with the cadence. Good recovery, though. Alex got that, right? Yeah, Alex fell on it. That would have been a, that would have been a disaster. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was concerned for him jumping into the, you know, in, into the, into the fray to recover the fumble. I mean, that, those are the kinds of plays where it's like, oh, God, just get up. Hopefully he'll be all right. <laughs> uh, there's, um, I don't know, there's a few more things. The interception was dreadful. You know, the, the interception was absolute dog crap. That's bad luck as well because I think he just thinks he's throwing that ball away and he throws it literally right to Jalen Smith. Right. But the thing is, is he doesn't have that much pressure in his face on that pick. And he's got Terry McLaurin wide open over the Early. Fence. Early, right now. And so if you go back and watch that interception play, I think Leighton Vander Esch is kind of lurking around in the middle of the field. When you look at it again, and I'm sure Alex will think this too, is, is Vander Esch really hugging the line of scrimmage too much? There's, I, I think he probably saw Vander Esch, which is why he turned Terry down right when he looked at him, because he didn't want Vander Esch to pick that off. Right. I, I don't. I think a little touch and he gets it over Van Der Esch, or he can get it around Van Der Esch in that situation. So, you know, uh, that one was that one was bad. Um, you know, a bad ball to Terry McLaurin on the old button hook backed up, but they had a completion for nine yards in that that play. So, you know, good with that. Uh, fourth and one late in the game. If that was a zone read play, he definitely should have pulled that. I. There's no, but I literally I wrote like there, there's no way they're putting Alex old broken leg Alex on a zone read, but if he pulls that, there's nobody there. So it's really funny because there was um, one of the touchdown uh, runs um, from Shotgun. Uh, D Hall called it as a zone read, and I, you know, I I, I said it was on Monday's it show. Wasn't. And I, they weren't. Yeah, they, and I they said weren't. I said there's there's no possible way that they've got Alex Smith in, into a zone read situation where he's reading the D end and he can keep it. Not, there's just, I just can't imagine that that's the case. I think that the, these, you know, these are all zone, you know, zone run scheme things at a shotgun or at a pistol uh, shotgun mostly. Um, and you know, there's no chance. I mean, he can the, defensively. Why would you even consider him right now as a potential runner in that situation? I don't think that you should. And and you know what? If they burn you once, fine. But I would not. I would. Uh, there's no way I would pay attention to the quarterback and think that he's gonna he's gonna pull it and keep it. No, there's no way. But I mentioned to you a week ago that they could do this. He could pull it and keep it and have a boot. Yeah. I said maybe it was two weeks ago, and that's that's really what they could have done. Is you got another guy out there that you could dump it to. 
the the fly sweep motion guy goes in front of that, and then Alex can pull and keep it, and really he can run boot with that where that guy's out, out in the flat. I so think I'd save it, Cooley. One, and if he's, you'd save it. You, it's a it's a RPO, man. You I'm not talking about it. the. I'm There's not talking nothing. about your RPO. I'm talking about the pure zone read quarterback keeps based off DN crashing. I would save it for no, the I'm biggest not, fourth not, and one of oh. the year. You know, later in the year. That, that, that was a big one. Yeah, but but they're already up in that game. They're up a bunch in that game at, at that point, I think. That's right before the uh, – the, the... Yeah, they were up like 27. So, yeah, you're right. That's, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Then just punt it. <laughs> no, I would have went for it, too. Yeah. Uh, then this is not a negative. That I'm not saying it was negative on Alex. It was just a – I just wanted to talk about it. The other thing is – it, nobody goes with Alex Smith on the Ruski play. <laughs> nobody. Hmm. Go watch that play again. I, I, I'm going. I'm he, going he, to. He, he, no, everyone goes with McKissick. The point I, I would say on that play, you really, you really almost the true Ruski is to take everybody and run right, right, and then let McKissick sit there for just another second longer. And then he's got to go alone. Right. That's the true Ruski. But it worked. Uh, okay, the positives with Alex Smith. One, you watch it on TV, and you can watch it on film and see the same thing. He has total command of the offense. There are multiple times that you can see him pointing and moving and redirecting guys to the right spots, to the right places. His cadence is awesome. His snap count is terrific. His tempo and control of the offense, I think, is really evident when you watch Alex Smith operate. That they're getting a lot out of him for. Two, amazingly, his pocket movement and his ability to move out of the pocket is still pretty darn good. Right. Uh, but I thought more throughout this game, he's getting more comfortable hanging in the pocket a little bit longer. The, the best example of this, before we get to some of the other like obviouses, that's a word, it's a second and 16 at the 28-yard line. It was after they had taken, that, that I think, a sack on first down, or they had a nine-yard loss on first down, whatever it was. Second and 16, and Inman's running. He hits Inman on a spot route. It was probably Inman's only catch. The one where he Inman didn't, really, the one where he maybe got the first down but didn't try hard enough to get the first down? Yeah, and it ends up being a third. It was all right. It wasn't the worst. Okay. But Alex Inman really should have come further over into the middle of the field on a spot route to clear. He then realizes it and kind of, you know, shuffles over to give Alex a window. But Alex hangs in the pocket to get that thing there. And I think this is really one of the first weeks that you've seen Alex hitch twice to stay with a route. Normally, if he's got a hitch more than once, he'll just turn. He'll move on. But he stayed in the pocket, and he hung in there tough, and he and, he, and it's a big time throw. That's a huge conversion right there right. to get it to third and one, which which they got. Right. Actually, they yeah they did. I think. Um, I thought he was accurate with his underneath throws for the most part. You know. Actually, they did. They did was, not get that first down. They ended up. That was the one they got sacked on the next play. Yeah. That was the one they get sacked on yeah, the next right. play. But I, okay, so Alex, I thought was accurate throughout. He, he's good on timing with two to three level throws to getting it to the underneath route. If he's got to get it to the underneath route, get some good throws on slant routes to Terry McLaurin. Um, huge, 
huge play I thought in in the game was hitting <clears throat> excuse me hitting McKissick uh, on a little snag route on the third and twelve on the third down that that's where they overcame the second and nineteen that's where I got that yeah. mixed up it's the third and nine right in, in that situation but to overcome that they had third a really nine, good run right. yeah they had a really good run with Gibson to get them to third and nine, and then to overcome that, the timing's perfect. It, it, I mean, McKissick more so it's a great play. But, you know, the timing by Alex is perfect. So he's going to allow him to catch and run with that thing as opposed to have to sit and wait. Yeah. Uh, great ball on the one touchdown pass. Drive it on Logan Thomas in the end zone. Low and down where only Logan Thomas can get it. That's a good ball. Uh, I thought he had a really nice, a really nice ball to Terry McLaurin on a run-action crosser. It was the one where he hits Terry in the middle of the field. That said, though, he should have taken the shot over the top to Sims. Sims was on the outside running a go. The safety squatting on Terry. He got a shot to take to Sims there, but still good ball, good completion. Um, and then, yeah, a couple times, just escaping the pocket. He, he gets out of the pocket right once, and, and I think he ends up having to throw away down in the red zone. He gets out of the pocket to the left. It was a play where McKissick and Logan Thomas tripped feet. They both fell down. Now, I'm sure you're like, uh, both my receivers fell down where I went to the ball. So, I mean, o- overall, Kev, he was just a guy as far as pure performance. You know, you gotta you got to factor in his operating ability of this offense and what he means, I think, to a lot of these guys on this offense. But as, as a quarterback, I thought he missed three or four throws where he had opportunities to get the ball down the field. I thought he made a couple bad decisions. The interception wasn't good I mean he's a C minus I just I mean he doesn't have to be better than a like you could say C plus for operating but I mean if you're evaluating it's, it's just a guy I mean they, they win he operates let's, let's call it a dead C right let's just go C okay I'll do that as I sit here and rethink that I, I'm gonna I didn't give him any upgrades for operating the offense at, at a great tempo and rhythm so I'm gonna give him a dead C but I don't think he's got to right now the way they're the way they're playing. I don't think he's got to be that much better than that for them to have a chance to win some of these games. All right, let's get to the skill position players and start with Terry All right, McLaurin. Let's go, let's go. Terry McLaurin. Okay. Um, the, the dude can't get covered on a slant. They, just, they can't cover. He's a, he's a slant freaking machine. He had two of them in this game. It was awesome. Uh, I just talked about a big throw to Terry on a run action where he's running the crosser. It's just, he, he doesn't have to have some special move or some special thing. Like, he does such a great job pressing vertical up the field with speed to stem that release and then just a quick break away, and you're like, he's he's really good. And you watch that play, and you're like, he's, he's <laughs> really, really good. He gets it. I, I mean, special guy. And then, then you watch, I mean, the reverse pass, for him to go up and attack that with his hands, that's a huge catch by Terry in that situation. Right. You know, I just – and he drew a P.I., or I think they're in the uh, – I don't know, somewhere in the second quarter, which was big. Alex Smith got pressured. He ends up drawing a P.I. I, I just – I Terry's an A. I, I just think the more I watch him, the better he gets. And it's not because I'm starting to go. He just gets, he's getting better. Right. You know, as, as we've talked about him being a, a true one receiver in this league, and be, he gets better every week. 
What about running um, the double move stuff that you didn't really love early in the year? Well, they really did a good job stopping the double move stuff with Terry. <laughs> they don't yeah. call it. I mean, I they haven't. I didn't see any double moves in this game. Though, though I, I, here, here was a note that I had. You know, early in this game, they're running a run action, play action, pass, whatever you want to call it. They call it play action, like everyone else in the world. Um, and he's got the single side where he's going right up the hash, and then there's a wheel behind it with Logan Thomas. I've always understood that play to be a read play by Terry or the X receiver. So that means at 18 yards, if he thinks he can get over the top or split the safeties, then he can go vertical. If he can't, then he's going to sit it down. The quarterback and that receiver have to be on the same page. He sits it down. Now, maybe they're calling it a big, like a deep sit. If they are, they should call it a read because on that one, the one I'm talking about earlier in this game, Alex throws a check down. Terry, if he goes down the middle of the field, no one's covering him. It's, it's a too-high look. He, he's got a wide-open middle field. I, I got to believe that they're just calling it a deep set. But those are, that, those are situations, Kev, where if you say, hey, look, we really got to stretch the field, and Terry McLaurin's a guy we'd like to stretch it with, my God, if you get a two-split safety look to you, you, that situation, you can't cover him down the middle of the field. Right. So give him that option, maybe. But Terry was really good. Since your receivers, the rest of them will be really quick. Um, Steven Sims Jr. played 13 plays. He had one catch, I think, on a speed out. He was a C-plus in this game. Logan Thomas. Uh, dude, shitty on the reverse pass. I mean, that ball hung forever. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it did though it's okay well yeah, that, that ball just, it's why yeah, he's played that's it's awesome, why he's, he was a college quarterback playing tight end in, in the pros <laughs> no that was excellent man i love the i love the versatility that he has yeah. in that respect and and the zone read as well like the zone read was almost disastrous like i watch that again it looks like he's so indecisive and he ends up making the right decision be like is he gonna give it is he I don't even know if he knew. Was he, last second, he's like, I'll just, pull, I'll just pull it. I mean, that's that's essentially what the, he, he ran a lot of in college. It's not like he's not used to that. Yeah, I mean, he did, if, if he knew exactly what he's doing, you'd say he just did an awesome job of really riding the back. It was actually a tough look, too. They, they kind of uh, gave it a tough look. I'm, I'm looking at the play right now. I think that is a tough decision on the D-end. I mean, the it D-end. Really was. The D-end had, yeah. I mean, with Logan Thomas back there taking the direct snap, you know, with a back next to him, you're going to think is the D-end. There's a good chance he's going to keep it on this. And it was played pretty well. It, it, you, are you saying that he should have just handed I'm, it to I'm Barber slightly, or I'm, Gibson? No, no. I, I, don't, I think he made the right decision. I'm slightly joking with him as a quarterback or wildcat or reverse. I, yeah. I think he makes the right decision. It's just it looks like the longest ride of a back I've seen in a while. Right. Whatever. He got it. He got it done, man. Um, good pass throw. A couple of times he's in there. A really good job uh, on toss twice, pinning the edge. Uh, he's in a two point stance, and he's got to kind of crack the defensive end to get to toss. A really good job with that. 
the touchdown was outstanding by Logan. He's getting walled down the field, and he's not great at getting hands off, which he doesn't do on this job, but right at the top of the stem, it's like, just get the fuck off me. And he did a really good job separating at the end. I, like The other dude throws his hands up like, oh, OPI. Like, dude, you were just groping him for seven yards down the field. There's no P.I. Right. You were, the P.I.'s on that dude. I uh, had a couple other catches in this game. The negatives had a false start in the red zone. He still doesn't create a lot of movement at the line of scrimmage. They had an outside zone that got thrown all the way to the sideline. Just because his body turned too much. He's got to be more square and stout with his inside hand and, and try to get some push. And Morgan Moses did not really help him at all on Alden Smith. And damn good, man. Right. That dude can play. Logan Thomas was a B-plus in this game. Isaiah Wright. Did Wright end up with the catch in this game? Um, did he end up with the catch so. in the game? He did not. He should have ended up with two touchdowns in this game. If Alex looked his <laughs> well, way. Well, it would have been one because they were both on the same draft. I, I, this, I did write this note, though. On that wheel route. Mm-hmm. He makes the guy fall down. He's wide open up the seam. This is like four plays after the other opportunity for a touchdown. I loved it. No frustration. Doesn't throw his arms up. Doesn't act like a baby. Just finishes his route to the end zone and comes back to the huddle. You watch not. It's not as often in the NFL, but you watch college football. And I was watching this weekend. There were seven or eight times where you see receivers open and they're still you're like, dude, we'll see you open on film. Everyone's going to know that you were open. You do not have to tell everyone <laughs> on national TV that your quarterback botched the entire situation. Right. Like The coaching staff is going to say good route. Everybody's going to tell you good job. Alex is going to say, uh, sorry, bro, I definitely should have hit you on that thing. I thought it, I, there's some maturity to that, and I appreciate that, especially as a guy that, you know, didn't want to create a scene for the quarterback. So I, I like that in Isaiah Wright. Don't you think that's something too, as a coach, that you mm-hmm. that you would go to him, you know, the next day and say, you know, this is who you are, and that's awesome. But I just want you to know how much I appreciate it because I've coached players in the past that would have, you know, thrown a fit, and it, you know, it, it's hurtful to the team for starters. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, it it shows up on film, and then. The other team thinks, oh, they saw that he was wide open and they're going to come back to that. It's just they're, they're almost going to be looking for that a little bit more. So, I mean, that that's something that really I think it's, it's a subtle thing, but I think pointing it out, um, especially to a young player, and I think these are the guys that Rivera's looking for too, Cooley. I think he's looking for you know, mature players. He's got a bunch of them when you think about it. I mean, who knows? I mean, we may wake up tomorrow morning and there may be, you know, uh, a couple of of bad reports out there. But, I mean, McLaurin and John Allen, and it just seems like there's a lot more maturity on the team. It's almost been an emphasis here recently. Even with the young players, you are exactly right. And that's a big deal for me. If I'm if I'm coaching Isaiah Wright and he starts throwing his hands up, I'm like, bro, you were a scout team guy like sixty days ago. <laughs> right. Shut up. Yeah. You know, I, I, I we're all going to see it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's a big deal. I don't know. I wanted to point it out because I went back and watched it like three or four times. 
just to see, like, is there any gesture at the end of that where he goes, you know, frustration gesture? I actually did do that one or two times. I was watching something the other day. We were playing Tampa Bay, I think at the end of the 2010 season. We weren't very good in 2010. It was Donovan still. Yeah. And I did an excellent job running the choice route, and I break out, and he bounce passes it to me. It lands like five feet in front of me. And I just turned around and stared at him for about three seconds before I even moved. Oh, really? <laughs> like, are you freaking serious, man? Like, like I just, I just did all that. You did, and you did what you did. <laughs> did he say anything? I'm sure. I don't remember what got said. I it didn't go. I didn't. I'm sure I didn't throw a fit. But it was something that that was when Sean had taken over McVeigh. And it yeah. was something that we've joked about a couple of times. So I went to pull it up to see what a baby I was. It wasn't as bad as it as it looked. But knowing myself and knowing how I felt in that moment, I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have stared him down. <laughs> it was a 2010 game against Tampa. Do you remember what quarter it is? Because I could go back and find it right now. It's, it's it's late. It's like in the fourth quarter, I think. It's it's late. It's the I end up it ends up. We're going in. It's a, it's like a third and four on the twenty ish. Uh huh. I was that I, was that the game to, where you, where dude, dude? You don't have to go pull it up. I, I have. I took a video of it. I can. <laughs> was that the year um, where Santana scored the game? What should have been the game tying touchdown, and we missed the extra point. Oh, guess what? I yeah, guess, I think guess was, what I, think I just was, found. I think that was it. Oh, but there's no there's no coaches. Only the um, there's no coaches uh, tape on that one. Anyway, all right, go, go I'll ahead. Pull it, I'll pull it up. Okay. Well, I, anyway, on he's a C in this game, but I, I just part of it is that they're not really throwing the ball to some of these guys. Like Cam Tim, C minus in this game. He had one shot, you know, and yeah. and, and I thought there were a couple other opportunities where I I thought. They, there were worse shots to be taken, but it's hard as a receiver to be a to be an impact player, be more than a C if you don't get a ball. Right. Uh, the other two, uh, Sprinkle was not good in this game. He yep. actually played a little bit more twenty plays. It, it wasn't good. He was a D, uh, and Tamara Kemingway was uh, nine plays in a holding. Sprink, Sprinkle played twenty plays in this game. That may mm-hmm. be that may be the most for him this year. Yeah, they they went with a they sprinkled him in a little bit more. <laughs> they sprinkled <laughs> him in a lot more. And the thing uh, about it, and I'd have to go back and look at this. I, I'm not sure that you've graded Sprinkle much this year, but he may right now um, be forced to take this class again because <laughs> he's not doing very well. The teacher may be saying, mm-hmm. you know, you may want to come back over the summer and take this one again, see if you can get a better grade, because I don't think you've given Sprinkle better than a D the entire year. Or it just might be that, you, that this particular student is a senior and you would like him to just be able to finish the year and, and go wherever he's going to go. Good point. Kevin, he's got he's to be a little bit more focused. 
I mean, we understand big, you know, senior year, everybody wants to have fun. You've already made your decision on college. You've already gotten in, but you got to finish it out strong. You know, you got to finish it out, you know, professionally, please. Um, okay. Enough of that. Uh, Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson. I'm going to start with this just for fun. I think we didn't do this Cincinnati game, but two weeks ago, one of my key points that I hadn't really said with Gibson, I hadn't heard anywhere, was his run fakes are god-awful. Right. They were so much better. Really? Weird, huh? Yeah. Interesting, the way that works. Those coaches are really, They're sharp. really on it. They're very perceptive. They're sharp. They're watching the same stuff. The run fakes were actually much better in this ballgame. <laughs> much better. Like, a different dude. <laughs> right. Just saying. <laughs> uh, I think he's getting better as a runner. I think he's getting more patience. Uh, like, one, he's he'll take it all the way to the front side. Like, even early in the game. I think it was the first play of the game. He takes an outside zone, and he gets all the way to the edge, and it's a four-yard gain. But, dude, a four-yard gain taking it all the way to the edge early in a ball game is huge. It's I just I can't. If you're going to be a zone scheme team, you've got to be able to stretch it to the edge. For him to take it four to the edge, I mean, those linebackers in their mind go, we got to take we got to go. we got to run. Like, I know we have gaps, but our gaps are going to be displaced. we got to run. And then, all of a sudden, you get – Cut back, cut back, cut back. I mean, you get it to the edge a few times, then those cutbacks become available. And it's exactly what happened to this ballgame. I thought, in, as a runner, much better job even keeping patience to the front side, pushing it, holding, and then making a cut. It, it wasn't like three steps, cut, and go. It was hold, pause, see if I can continue to hit front side, and then make the cut. And to me, that was awesome. He string cuts, cuts together and, and really made guys miss. He's his speed is excellent. He still surprises people with speed. I mean, that, that first touchdown run that he bounces all the way outside. Yeah. a great block by, by 72, our guy. Sharp. And <laughs> who? David, 72. David Sharp. 72. Yeah, 70, 72. Um, but, the, like, it's... Gibson gets outside. The safety should have had an angle to run him down and not, and not let him get to the end zone. But he is faster than you think, man. He can turn it up. Yeah. Just like, boom, third gear, fourth gear. Here we go. Uh, I thought that was awesome. Big play on a third and one on a poor block run play getting a first down. That was, I think they went with Barber a lot, but he had one in a short short yardage where you'd say, yeah, I got no problem with Gibson. Does a good job on a poorly blocked play. He, and he hits the hole hard, man. If it's a gap scheme or zone scheme, like he's just he's downhill and he'll hit the hole hard, right? Which I've, I'm impressed with. We went through one of the early plays, one of the big runs, the second touchdown run, or the late, the third, the late touchdown run, where you're like, "Booyah, let's strike up the Cooley fantasy team band," because I'm scoring some points today. That that was about the easiest run of all time. Yeah, <laughs> like there was no, that was well blocked, but there was nobody there in the safety to the piss poor job even getting close uh the couple negatives i mentioned that hemingway had that hold yeah that's do that's that downhill dive play i i also mentioned he had the whole heart you, you can't just prematurely bounce that play 
I get it that Hemingway shouldn't hold, but he doesn't think Gibson's going to be outside of him. So now all of a sudden he's like, I'm blocking you, I'm, and now you're down the backs over here. And you're way, you've way out-leveraged me because I was trying to block you from getting inside. Now i got to try to block you from going outside. That's on Gibson. That hold I put on Gibson. You want Hemingway to let go, but he's a young player. If right. you bounce that, you're going to get holding penalties. It's just <clears throat> that play can't bounce that way. Yeah, you pointed that out before. It's some, sometimes that's on the back. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it, obviously you want to teach guys to let go, but you know, sometimes they don't always let go. Uh, it, it, better in pass protection, not cutting. The one real pass protection I saw him in there, he just gets straight trucked by Jalen Smith. It's on a slant to Terry McLaurin, but he gets in there, turns his head a little bit, but at least he, he gets in the way. Yeah. Jalen Smith just ran him straight over. It's like, to deliver a blow. You, you, it, pretend you're a ball carrier for one second. Uh, uh, he had good hands on a couple of the checkdowns. He did have it dropped on a third down check down in this game. But, I mean, for the most part, some big runs. I, I think really getting better with patience. You, you see outstanding speed. Gibson was an A-minus in this game. You know what's weird, too? What? Is McKissick last game had, like, all the, all the snaps. Right. Well, here was my reason. Two weeks ago in Detroit, and then now this week, Gibson <clears throat> got all the snaps. This was my theory on this. Tell me if I'm right. They had five third and ones in this game. They had a fourth and one. They had so many short yardages, and that's why Barber ended up with a ton of snaps that may have been Gibson's third down snaps. Sure. They're, you know, I've seen it done a lot of different ways with running backs as far as who's in and how they're in and when they're in. You think Turner's doing like, a good job, don't you? I thought he did a really I thought he did a pretty nice job in this game. Yeah. I think that he could have probably went with some more quick game stuff if they would have needed it to get Alex into a little bit better rhythm, especially early since Alex missed a couple opportunities early. Right. But to keep balance in the run game and to keep Dallas defensively off balance pre-snapping with some of the stuff they were doing with motions, yeah, I, I thought he did a pretty good job. All right, let's get to McKissick and Barber. Uh, McKissick, like, there's certain things you see. Like, he ran that third and nine, that little snag route. Watch him transition out of that. Like, it's so quick. He really sells like he's going in, the whip, in, whatever you want to call it, in and out, snag route, whatever. Yeah. Reverse China. Is that what they call it? <laughs> If you went out and in, you'd call it a China, but if you went in and out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> China. China. It's a reverse China. But just as, it's just he's such a quick transition guy. He's got such a burst. He's good after the catch. It, it, not as much. Really, he made a really nice cut on the Ruski play to get inside of Morgan Moses there and get that first down. Really good cut on that play. Uh, he cannot block at all. He... Uh, is better at getting in the way as a pass protector. But there was one of the run plays where he was on the edge and he had to go out to the safety uh, to a run play that was going to his side, and it was like, ooh, you have no idea where to even start with this, do you? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was weird. It's, I, I, I should have wrote it down. It doesn't matter. But Okay, so he lines up right at the edge of the line of scrimmage, offset just behind the tackle. The safety is about four yards, five yards into the box outside of him. The back's going to push to that side, which means the safety should go also outside. He's a back. He should understand how you have the safety. If you want to push that safety, 
he literally runs straight up the field. The safety goes around and outside of him. And it's like, what, what do you think his reaction was going to be to run his way? Um, anyway, that's a huge deal. Uh, I thought McKissick was a B in this game, and then Barber I thought was good. He, he actually, Barber, he is really What did you give McKissick a B? What did you give McKissick? A B. Okay. A B. Bar- Barber, what were you going to say? He's got really Barber good vision. Really has, he's like he's shifty and he's got yeah. good vision. Great like, vision. I think he could be. A, I think he could have more carries in some of these situations. I agree. Just, he seems to be the odd man out with Gibson running the ball the way Gibson is. But to me, Barber has better vision than Gibson. I agree. He he had he had a he, great. There were a couple zones, like a couple cuts he made was awesome. Were awesome. The fourth and one is huge. He's got a knack for knowing situational football. I mean, it's like we didn't have very many play a lot in this game, but I, I thought he was an A. I mean, I, I everything he did was pretty pretty efficient. Yeah, well, he played. I mean, this was his, I think, best statistical game of the year. He had 11 carries for 57 yards. I don't think he's had a game like that this year, has he? Yeah, there hasn't been a game where he's had 11 carries in a no, game. No, I mean, the first game was the last time I think he had this many carries. Remember? The oh, you're right, 17 carries, 29 yards in the opener. <laughs> um, but this was by far and away. I mean, 11 carries, 57 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. And he had a big run at the end of the game when the game was over. I thought the fourth yeah. and one run where he was stopped short and he made that second effort twist and he yeah. got it was a great run. I thought it was an excellent run. His yards per carry this year are going to suck, but like every carry he's had third and one. You know what's interesting is that we've said before, um, when they signed him, um, I remember we had a conversation, I'm pretty sure we did, and I said, I, I liked Peyton Barber in Tampa. And then we yeah. went and looked, to, uh, uh, you know, looked up his years, and he's like a career 3.4 or 3.5 yards per carry guy. And I think it's probably because he's got a lot of short yardage, a lot of third and one, fourth and one, third and two runs where, you know, he's getting first downs, but they're not, you know, big carries against goal line defense. I mean, we could we could go back and cut up all of his carries and take a look. Right. I'm not that interested, but I, I don't know. I, I just think he's got a good knack. I think he's got a good feel. He's not a big dude, but he, he runs – Strong. Agreed. All right, so those are your skill players. What? what you, you gave Barber an A. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, let's, I, I, yeah. Barber. so let's get to the offensive line. And we'll finish it up for the day, and then you'll do you know a quick run-through on the defense tomorrow. Oh, I didn't give you a grade. Inman was a C. I, All your receivers, we said, Terry, are pretty much that C area. I was going to. I have that written down. I was going to come back and say you didn't grade Inman. Um, all right, Inman, Inman was had a eleven plays. It yeah. wasn't. Inman was not relevant to this game. Okay. Did have that one catch though. Yeah. All right. Seventy-two. <laughs> Sharp. Uh, yeah. Sixty-nine. Played every snap in the game. Did right, right you seriously read? <laughs> You know, all the offensive line, for the most part, they play the whole game. Crazy. Uh, no, they didn't well, they because the there was a grade. but there was a number in there late that I was unfamiliar with, and I went back and looked it up. It well, was Wes Martin played some. It was Ishmael was in the game. But anyway, minimal snaps. Wes, Wes we Martin. Wes Martin only had five snaps. So just give us the starters. Yeah, I 
72. <laughs> Early in the game, missed target the linebacker, leave him open. Or actually, he went up to a linebacker and just aborts the D-end D in front of him. You're like, um, someone's going to block that, dude. You can't just on zone run go to linebacker. Later in the game, he can't get up to the linebacker. Three or four times, you're like, um, are we sure what the process is between who we're going to double and then what level, what guy we're getting to on the second level? I thought there were some big questions there in that situation. Uh, the third, the first sack is an immediate pressure from 72. Right. And then Alex steps up and Schweitzer gives up interior pressure. So really, he created the first step up. The second pressure, or the second sack, he's bowled by Alden Smith. Alden Smith, he, he, he good. Yeah, he's good. Um, but he, he's bowled by Alden Smith, and it's either a half sack by Alden or whatever they gave it. And Schweitzer also was a part of that as well and the third sack I thought was a missed assignment by 72 and turning 90 free is a problem I don't know his name either so we'll call him I 90. think that I think that would be Lawrence isn't it <laughs> joking dude I just, I just like to call him numbers <laughs> okay doc um he, look he was not very good in this game the first touchdown run awesome job on the edge like the guy kind of falls off inside. Careful holding, I would say. You watch that first touchdown run again? Yeah. He's got his hands way outside. I mean, they are wrapped around him, and he falls off, and he did, the dude ends up falling down. Like That will get called a hold more than 50% of the time. Right. It probably was a hold. Didn't call it, so it's not. Right. So I'm going to say, great job. Uh, really, I think, is a little bit slow-footed. I, I think he's uncertain, does not have enough enough ass on him in, in some of the past situations where he's he's a pure setback guy. He can get bold, he can get pushed, he can get outrun by speed. 72 is a D minus. Oof. That's, that's a little bit tough. He was a D. But don't change it. If he was a D minus, he was a D minus. I mean, which is it? A D or a D minus? You get one chance here. Well, if, here's the thing. Here's the thing that helps him. He's got one serious badass right next to him. <laughs> that makes life a lot easier. Uh, Sheriff was awesome in this game. I mean, quick off the ball. Some of the front side zone stuff where he's he's got a guy that's the okay. Some of the run plays to the right where he's got a guy that's outside of him to the right. He's squaring up with them so quick. Like he is on dudes right now. A uh, couple of the run plays where he's double teaming with Ruye, they're ass kicking. Like I wrote Joe Joe Bugle. Hayaka, stud. <laughs> Hayaka. <laughs> Hayaka. I mean, there's some ass kicking. There's some great movement throughout this game. He's on backers quick. He's great climbing to the second level. He's excellent passing off stunts. I thought he was really, really good in pass protection. I mean, to me, Sheriff was what you expect out of Brandon Sheriff. I, I just did. I thought his pass block was great. Run block to me was impactful. Um Pro Football Focus is going to grade Brandon Sheriff a 69.7 this week for his game performance on 65 snaps. I am going to grade Brandon Sheriff an A. Okay. Is 69.7 a D from them? Uh, no, 69.7 really probably in the B range. Okay. So the way they do it, if, if anybody wanted to, this is the way I think they do it. Every player starts at a 60. Okay. If you were to get no positives, true impact positives, and no true impact negatives, your end result grade on PFF would be 60. 
that your generic just a guy grade would be 60. So if you're up to 70, you're in the B range, I think, on PFF, if anybody's ever looking at those grades. Okay. If you're above 80s, you're like, they're grading you an A. Okay, so they were nowhere near your grade. Well, if I said B, I, I still think it was A. Here, here was the two negatives from Sheriff, or the negative from Sheriff. A couple of their gap plays where they're pulling him. He's pulling and he's kicking out. They, you see the safety coming off the edge. But he's supposed to kick out the defensive end. He's attacking the safety because he sees color. They're actually, right now on their gap plays, bringing like a fly player or a reverse player. That guy's holding the safety outside. You're, you're, just, you're expecting he'll hold that safety. You've got to get in and kick out the defensive end. You can't turn him free. Sheriff just sees color, and he bypasses the defensive end twice in this game. It, we, it, it's not just the first guy you see. It's got to be the defensive end, especially the way, the way they're running those plays, if that makes any sense. Plus, the play's supposed to go inside a sheriff, so if he hits the defensive end from the inside out, and then the safety's further outside, then the safety really shouldn't be able to get through him and the defensive end to make a play anyways. So I'm just saying, make sure you kick out the defensive end, Brandon. Schweitzer. Uh, Ruye. Oh, Ruye, okay. Ruye's, well, we're moving across the board okay. here. Uh, I thought it was his best game as far as getting movement in the run game. Some of his double teams were really, really good. Um, his pass protection was extremely consistent throughout this ball game. He had a fumbled snap, which is one of the only real negatives that I had. I thought Ruye was an A-minus in this game. Schweitzer gave up two sacks. Um, both the sacks are on up-and-under moves or inside moves. He's slow-footed, especially on those up-and-under inside moves. He, and he's missing with his punch on those things. It, it's like just, he's just got to be a little bit more aggressive with his inside hand. Um, and then in the run game at times, when he gets like a stunt penetration or someone attacking, he can catch, which is weird for me to say because at the same time, he has been awesome in the zone run scheme. He is getting like, – I love watching this dude right now. I mean, I'm, I'm really loving watching Schweitzer and some of the zone stuff. He's firing up the ball. He's got a great first couple steps. He's getting lateral and vertical with speed. He's attacking. He's getting up to the second level. He's a big part of why this run game has is, is started to improve. I mean, obviously, it's, it's Gibson and what he's been doing, but guys like Schweitzer operating in some of those zone plays is giving that back the ability to trust. If I really push it, man, then I can set this guy Schweitzer up who's really doing what I want him to do. I, I think he's been awesome in terms of improvement with that. He's, I, to me, I think he'll get better as far as a pass protector. He's struggling a little bit right now. Uh, Schweitzer was a C in this game, but there's some stuff I, I really like. I think this is like the third or fourth time I've given Schweitzer a C or a D-plus or that range, but also complimented him yeah, in you, a big uh, way. You have, you, you've, you've liked him. I think there's a lot. That, like if I was evaluating Schweitzer for my team, I, I would I would sign Schweitzer. Okay. He fits the role of offensive lineman that I like. All right, Morgan Moses. Uh, Morgan, Mo- I think Morgan Moses played very well in this game. Um, you you did not think he played well, because, which is really weird to me because PFF graded him the fourth highest on the offense. Okay. At a seventy-seven point one. Yeah. Uh, too much ass block on his own backside. I'm um, actually, this is a little bit more like Chris thinking about offense, but they have all these zone runs out of gun. 
they take a little bit longer, and the back doesn't get as far away from the backside. Right? Like behind center, he really pushes away from the backside, so that cut happens further away. Well, I've always been told on the backside, if they play behind you, you won. Like that was the, That's the Shanahan rule. If they end up going behind you, you won. So on a couple of them, Morgan is pretty much boxing out or ass-blocking the defensive end. The defensive end wraps behind him, and then he comes down the line of scrimmage and makes a play. He's got to be, especially on some of the zone runs out of gun, he's got to be more physical with his hands. He's got to sustain it longer. It's just it's not hitting as far away from him as probably he's used to. Uh, a couple pressures beat by Alden Smith a couple times. God, Alden Smith's good, man. I mean, if you get out of your out of position at all against that dude, he, he's good at taking advantage. Chris, of they're they're, they're super underrated up front. They have a lot of team speed in their front seven. Dallas does. They're they're, they're having a terrible season. There's no doubt about oh, yeah. it. But I've watched them a couple of games here recently, and they're causing problems, including for Pittsburgh a few weeks back, uh, including against Minnesota, and including against Alex Smith. They are super fast up front and can cause problems defensively, even though you can run the ball at them easily. But go ahead. Yeah, well, we'll talk. Let's, Morgan was a C-plus. Okay. So, when you look at this offensive line for Washington, though, they're underrated. Right. I think they're better than people think up front. Yeah. And if they were to get either Morgan back to right tackle and have a left tackle, or to continue to develop Morgan at left tackle, I think you have something between Switzer, Ruye, and Sheriff. Now, Sheriff. Obviously, you got to figure out what you're going to do with Brandon Sheriff in the future, and you, you absolutely want him. Yeah. The, the, the compliment of Schweitzer has been really good, and I think Morgan's a, a good player for you. If you don't have 72, and, and I'm not going to dog him as a backup player, then that's what he is. I don't want to. I've been critical, and, and some of it's been joking, but he's still a competent backup. And for the most part, this line did a pretty good job of protecting Alex throughout this game. They really did better than. There were some pressures again against a good fast line in Dallas. Yes. Like, and they moved them in the run game. You know, they really moved and displaced Dallas up front in the run game and created some big gaps and some big cutbacks. I was impressed with what they did up front against the Cowboys. Really, I really was. I thought the offensive line did a nice job. And I think I said this to you like three weeks ago. I said, this is becoming a very well-coached unit. You can see that they're coached well. And compliments go to Matsko. that offensive line coach. Yeah, he's, he's been around for a long time, but I think he's doing a good job. And, and he's, he's also had to change a lot of techniques that they've had in the past. And you can see that they are starting to understand it and, and get it. And, and for me, like I watch, I watch Ruye and I watch Shara. Those are the two guys that are really, I mean, obviously Morgan too, but those are two of the guys that have really been a part of that pass scheme that were like tight hip downhill guys. And they're turning into lateral zone stretch guys that can still, that can still be a vertical gap scheme team, but they, man, they're, they're getting it. They're getting it. And I'm, uh, so big compliments to that offensive line. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it was, you know, probably in recent weeks the the biggest challenge they've had in terms of pass pro against Dallas's front. Now, Pittsburgh's going to be a completely different story, and this will be the biggest test for them, and we'll have time to go over that on Monday, 
Um, but the biggest test for them uh, will be Pittsburgh's pass rush and Pittsburgh's defense overall. Um, and it, it'll be a challenge. Can I, can I... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, be a big go challenge. ahead. I'm gonna. I got. I got another direction to go real quick before we finish this up. Okay. Or when, I'm, when we're done, I just wanted to tell you about some part of my life. Oh well, I was just gonna say that you know when when you when you're when you're up against Pittsburgh's defense and you're up against Cameron Hayward and you're up against T.J. Watt and you're up against Bud Dupree, um, and and then they've got the secondary with Hayden and Fitzpatrick, et cetera, behind mm-hmm. them. Um, this will be you know this will be the first chance, legitimate chance, where we can say they've made a lot of progress. They have been a professionally competent offense. The uh, the O line looks underrated. The the skill position players aren't getting enough credit. They're much better than we would have ever thought at the beginning of the year. But we also recognize it's been Dallas twice, the Giants twice, the Bengals and the Lions, you know, over the last six games. Now it's going to be two of the better defenses, maybe the best defense and certainly two of the better defenses in the league over the next two games. No, I mean, and you're going to find out, but just think of the advantage it is to be able to, as you start to progress through this offense as a player, as a coach, to be able to use these last six games to get better, like as opposed to go from Baltimore and then Los Angeles to have to play Pittsburgh. I mean, they really, I think, are gaining confidence. Yeah. And I don't care that they played bad teams. They're playing well against bad teams. They're getting better. Right. All right, what were you going so, to finish with? I'm going to leave it for tomorrow. I'll give you a like, Ask me about a what do you got tomorrow. Okay, we'll do that tomorrow. Um, thanks. You'll like it. I've got a good story. For thanks you. for putting it together. Um, are you on your way back to Wyoming? Yeah, so I'll kind of fake my way through the defensive film breakdown. Um, <laughs> well, just no, watch, no, just watch two plays and then evaluate everybody. <laughs> so I'm, just so you know, yeah. I'm going to watch it all. I'm going to be driving tomorrow. I read my notes while we do this. I'm not going to be able to do that. Okay. Well, just do your best. It's it's a week. No, I'm going to do my best. It's, it's a week. A, it's You're a week after it. the game. It's a week after the game. You're going to love it. And uh, you know, we know that Darby got beat early, and then after that, everybody played pretty well. Uh, maybe we yeah, just did Chase it. Young was an A. Chase Young was an A. There's no doubt. Montez Sweat made some big plays. Oh you know? yeah. Kerrigan, Kerrigan, I'm not quite sure on Kerrigan, probably C. Uh, yeah, but Bostic, Bostic, not and, so know, great. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, Cole Holcomb's really, he's instinctual, he can sniff things out. Uh, Actually, no, do, 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 do you know, I, I want to hear about one specific player tomorrow, because it's very possible if DeShazer Everett's not ready to go, that we'll see much more of Jeremy Reeves than we will Troy Apke. Yep. That's the guy that I'm actually interested to find out how he played against Dallas. And Apke, too, because I didn't think he was very good. Um, All right, thanks. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll chat tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.